Good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever it is that you're watching this. Um, I'm Sarah um, and I'm introducing a new series this morning. Um, we're looking at the Bible. So over the next few weeks we're going to be looking at the Bible and how it's actually applicable to our lives today. Um, and today particularly looking at trusting the Bible and what we can trust it for and what we can't trust it for. Um, now I've grown up in a church background, we went to church every Sunday morning and Sunday school in the afternoon. And one of the things we used to do there was what we called sword drill. And this was based on the fact that um, it talked about the Bible as being not only the word of God, but also the sword, the sword of the spirit and the words of God. So we would stand there with our Bibles tucked under our arms and we'd be told to draw swords and we'd lift them up. And then someone would give a, um, a reference and then we would all be told, look, so you'd suddenly race to it, find the reference and read it out. And the first one was the one that won. It was something I was quite good at. It was something I enjoyed because I was good at it, probably. And it was one of those things that means I have a, a good understanding of where things are in the Bible. What it doesn't do is actually introduced me to Jesus, it doesn't introduce me to God, and it doesn't actually teach me what the Bible is there for. It doesn't teach me why we should read it, and why we should engage with it, and why we should allow it to make a difference to our lives. And that, I think, is so much more important as I've grown up and learnt about it. Now, like I said, I was always told that the Bible was the word of God. And we quite often hear people say, oh, you know, well, it says in his word, this, that and the other. Um, and I believe fully that the Bible is the inspired word of God. But I also believe that Jesus is the word of God. And actually, that is what the Bible teaches us. When we look in John 1, verses 1 to 5 and verse 14, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what we see that John is teaching here is that actually Jesus is the word of God, made flesh, who moved into the neighbourhood, as the message translation puts it. He's lived amongst humans as a human and as God. Jesus is the word of God. And we have to remember that as we read his words in the Bible. As we look through the Old Testament, the bit that Jesus actually had when he was living here on earth, um, we see truth that is expressed in a way that is understandable to people of Bronze Age and Iron Age times. I think we forget how long ago King David lived. We forget how long ago Moses and Abraham lived. These were real people with real stories. 
but actually they're not living in a world like we are. They wouldn't understand our world. It would be completely alien to them. And we have to remember that when we're reading stuff that was written, aimed at them, that actually that's quite alien to us too. Um, but what we see in Jesus is he is the Father's glory and he is the word of God that explains all of that to us, if we let it. Another thing we see in Hebrews 1 verses 2 and 3, um, it says, In these last days he's spoken to us by his Son. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So whereas in the Old Testament we see bits of that truth, what the, the NASB calls portions. And we see God being revealed more and more through time. What we see when we get to Jesus is that full revelation of who God is. And Jesus is always that checkpoint that we're understanding what the Bible is saying correctly. So as we look at the Bible, it's not one book. It is 66 different books. It's split up into the Old Testament which is the, the covenant, the relationship that God had with people in the old times before Jesus and the New Testament, that relationship that God has with those since Jesus has, has come. And we see that there's loads of different types of literature in there. Um, there's poetry, there's worship and laments. There's a story type book. And some of those are true stories, stories that literally happened. And some of those are stories which tell a truth about what happened. Um, at the moment, I've just finished a book called Phoebe. Um, it's written by a New Testament scholar who actually wanted to write a story that actually shows people how Paul's letters would have been received. As she's written that, it's not a true story. We only know anything about Phoebe from a few words in, in uh, the book of Romans. But actually, by using the knowledge that she has of first century Rome and the way that the letters in those days would have been transmitted, she has actually made a story to help us to understand that truth. So it's not a true story, but it is a story that is teaching us truth. And there are so many of those in the Old Testament. There's so many of those in all sorts of places. Jesus used lots of parables. They are stories that teach us the truth, even though they are not technically, by our standards, true stories. And we have to remember that we can't impose our standards on how things were written thousands of years ago. In 2 Timothy 3, um, verses 16 and 17, Paul says to his protege Timothy all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work there are uses of all of the bible even the bits we don't like um, but Jesus is the interpretative key every time come back to Jesus am I understanding it right does this fit with Jesus with his character, with what he reveals about God and who he is. Jesus is the one that unlocks that truth. And I think what's really important is that sometimes we need to read stuff in Old Testament, in New Testament, wherever in the Bible, and think this means that we should act in a specific way. 
This means that we should do something or we should treat people in a certain way. When we do that, run that through the filter of actually, does that fit with how Jesus reveals God to us? And if not, we need to rethink it. We can't just say, oh, well, it says it there. So that's how we do it. We need to say, no, Jesus has taught us to look at him first. Um, and I, I heard an illustration many years ago now, which has really struck with me. Um, and it's about faith and how we understand the Bible. Now, we can understand the Bible as a wall. It teaches things and we build this beautiful wall. And um, it's made of bricks and they're all the same. And they're solid and they're unchangeable. And we can't take one brick out and put a different shape brick back in. That just doesn't work. Ultimately, the wall's not very exciting. And actually, if that's how we see our lives and we see our faith and our relationship with God, that's not actually very good. It means nothing can change, nothing can grow over time. Um, whereas actually, the illustration that this person used was actually that it should be much more like a trampoline. We have that big expanse that we can bounce on, that can support us, that our faith that supports us is like that trampoline bed. That is held by all the springs around the edge um, that make all those weird noises that you hear when kids are jumping on them when in the summer. Um, those springs, they're flexible, they're changeable. And actually, if one breaks or something goes wrong with it, we can change it and put another spring in. And it's exciting. And I think that's a much better picture of faith and actually how we should be looking at the Bible even. In the sense of we can look at stuff that we were taught as kids, stuff that we've learned as adults, and we can go, OK, is this actually something that Jesus teaches? Is this how Jesus understands it? And if it doesn't anymore fit with other bits that we've learnt and more of God's character and that relationship that we live with him, then actually we can say, no, but I do understand it like this. And we change that and put, put that fresh spring in. And our faith is still supported and it's still exciting and it's still living. And we can still go on and say, yes, I'm still in love with the God who wrote this. So as we come to this, we can look at what Jesus said about the Bible. Matthew 5, verses 17 to 19, Jesus said, Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, everyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And the thing is, we see here that Jesus trusted the Old Testament. And there's part of me that says, actually, I believe him. I hold him as my Lord and my saviour. And actually, if he trusts it, then I'm going to trust him and trust it too, even the bits that I don't like. But I think sometimes in our 21st century way, we forget that actually we need to look at what was the Old Testament there for. It was there to bring them to Jesus. And 
on the road to Emmaus after he'd raised from the dead in Luke 24. It's a lovely story if you don't know it. Um, and Jesus meets up with some of his disciples, but they don't recognise him. And he actually goes through the Old Testament, showing them how it points to him. The Old Testament was there to introduce God to them, where they were at at the time. It was there to bring light and life. And it was there to show God's love for all humanity. Now, as we look at Jesus, he is the best picture of that. He is the most complete picture of that light, that life and that love that is poured out to all humanity. Um, and, you know, I think as we look at that, we see that Jesus sees the Old Testament as being important for the way that we live life now. He sees that those commands have a value. But we also see that he's come to fill up the law and the prophets, to explain what they were talking about and to make that more full in his life. But we also see Jesus saying, you have heard it said, but I tell you. And some of these are actually quite fundamental things that are repeated through the Old Testament. And what we learn as Christians is that actually what Jesus says takes precedence. That's what he taught and that's how his disciples have followed through. And we see that right through. I mean, there's loads of them in Matthew 5. Again, continue reading down that passage. Um, and we see that we could look at it and go, oh, well, Jesus' authority is greater than that of the Old Testament. But I don't think that's actually the way to look at it. I think it's more a case of actually Jesus interpreted it properly. Jesus shows us how this word, this written word of God should be applied. Are we going to allow the word of God to interpret things for us? Or are we going to use our understanding? In John 5, verses 36 and 37, Je Jesus is talking to the Jewish leaders at the time. They've challenged him after he's healed someone on the Sabbath. So as far as they're concerned, he's broken one of the laws. And Jesus says, I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works the Father has given me to finish, the very works I'm doing testify the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You've never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. Talking about himself. And then he turns to the, the Pharisees and he says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, he says. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And it goes on, he says, do not think I will accuse you before the father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he said, how are you going to believe what I said? Now, Jesus taught people that actually studying the scriptures is good. But only when it's looking to him. Only when he's looking for life and life in him. But it's not about learning the words. It's not about learning what it says. What well, he says, these are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. The Bible is there to point us to life with Jesus. And if you don't know him yet, 
Read about him in the, the New Testament, in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Learn his character and look at how he treated people, how he interpreted the Bible. We all need to be doing that. The other thing I think is, you know, that the Pharisees, they were looking for what was good. But they weren't looking for it in the right way. They wanted life with God. They wanted eternal life. But yet when he came and he stood among them, they didn't recognise him. And it's been something this week I kind of really thought, you know, well, actually, what do I do that's like that? What do I go? Well, actually, no, this is how I understand it. Rather than saying, this is what I think, Jesus. I've got my trampoline spring in my hand. How do you understand it? How do you treat these people? How do you understand and reveal to me what's going on? And when I fail to treat people like Jesus would, because... You know, I, there are times, I'm sure, when I fail to treat people in a way that Jesus would treat them. And it's because I think that my ideas are right and they're proper. And yet, actually, how often should I be coming to him and saying, actually, sorry, Lord, I'm, I'm not treating people in the way that you would treat them. I'm treating them in the way that I think they should be just because that's something I've read. Or something that I've picked up from society. How often do we fail to treat people in the way that Jesus would? Because we think our preconceived ideas, our bricks in our wall, are, are right and we don't ever examine them. And when we look at the Old Testament, what we see is that um, they really hadn't seen God's heart. Um, when we, you know, we look at the, the Pharisees here, they didn't understand that actually as you come through the Bible, you get this re revelation revealed. So Hosea 6, verse 6, um, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Micah 6, verse 8, he's shown you, immortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Zechariah 7, 9 to 10. This is what the Lord Almighty says, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. And you know, this takes priority over the laws that we understood from earlier in the Old Testament, because that's what Jesus did. That's how Jesus acted. He acted on treating the widow, the fatherless, with respect, with love. Um, now, we could believe Jesus because of the Bible or the Bible because of Jesus. Now, I haven't got anywhere near enough time to go into this. It would take hours and hours and hours to look at it properly. But one of the ways that we can look at things, if we start looking at it saying, well, Jesus says it, therefore it's true. Then we land up with a circular argument. The book that tells us about Jesus tells us that. And we get ourselves to sort of muddles. But actually... If we start and go, OK, if we were looking at Julius Caesar, we would look at the books that were written around that time. And historical scholars have looked at these things and gone, yeah, we think this is a, 
a fairly accurate picture. This is what we can understand. If we treat the Bible the same way, the four Gospels the same way, then actually we see that Jesus clearly did exist. Um, he did teach things in the way that he taught them. He did die and he did raise from the dead. Um, and therefore, if he says these things, I'm going to trust them. Um, if you want to look into this more, there's a couple of books by um, a guy who was a professor in uh, America um, that I found quite useful. One is called Letters from a Skeptic. Very easy read um, in some ways. It's very challenging, but it's a very, very good read. Um, Letters from a Skeptic. And a more academic book is Jesus Legend. Um, and those give a view on that if you want to look at that further. So... Today, how do we approach the Bible? Do we read it or do we let the Bible read us? Do we let it make a difference in the way that we live our lives? Do we say, actually, yes, God wants mercy, not sacrifice? Do we hear him say, actually, let the children come to me? Do we see him say, I am treating women with the same respect I am treating men? Do we see him say, I am treating slaves? with the same respect as I am treating those in authority. Are we going to let that actually make a difference in our lives? Don't forget, it's not a textbook. It's not an instruction manual. The Bible is the book that introduces me to the one that I want to live in relationship with and the one who is desperate to live in relationship with us. God loves you and wants you to know him. The Bible is the way we come to know him. But we mustn't let it stop at the words there. We need to know Jesus, the word of God. We do need to remember it's ancient Near Eastern literature. And ancient is the right word for it. It's a long time ago this stuff was written. And it's a very different culture and society. So check what we read against Jesus. Check our actions against Jesus. And how today, this week, this month, this year, are we going to put into practice what God is saying through the Bible? One of the ways that I think I find very helpful is actually to read the Bible in community, um, through home groups, through small groups, through Bible reading notes, through listening to experts. It's really helpful. As I say, I found the book Phoebe really helpful just to learn actually how Roman society works to a certain degree. And therefore, how some of those things make a little bit more sense when you see it in that context. Helps us to understand the culture into which it was written. But uh, just as I finish, we've got ultimately Jesus is the way to check if what we're thinking is in line with God's heart. In When we talk about slavery, the way we treat women, those that are poor, those on the edge of society, those that are politically different from each of us. The disciples were all parts of that political spectrum and the arguments must have been quite interesting. But they all learned to love and live with Jesus. God is love and Jesus demonstrates that to us. So I think, yes, we can trust the Bible when we ask the questions of it that it was written to answer. If we treat it like a science textbook, it's all kinds of wrong. That's not what it was ever written for. And we shouldn't try and get that kind of information from it. It's there to show us God and to bring us into relationship with him. And we can absolutely trust it for that.
Jesus is the word of God. He is that full image of who God is and his character and how he wants that relationship with us. So let's read that Bible with Jesus. I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you that you love us and you want to live in relationship with us. Help us to see you as the word of God and to understand you. Help us to love the words that are in the Bible as they bring us to you and as they bring us into relationship with God and with other people. Amen.